it's easy to get obsessed <laughs> with figuring out an algorithm. And in my mind, that's not my job. It will make me stop being consistent if I focus on that. And consistency is that main goal that I have. So you've got a big plan for this year, or maybe even this week or this month. What happens when somebody throws a wrench in the works? Do you fight to get back on track? Do you flee to something else entirely? Do you freeze and hope that it'll all blow over soon? You know, each of these three responses is perfectly normal and understandable. After all, fight, flight, or freeze is a baked-in biological response we all have. But most of the time, we need a different way to respond when our plans get interrupted. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores how small business owners build stronger businesses without all of the shoulds and supposed tos. Fight, flight, or freeze might be our biological response when faced with a threat, but they're rarely the best response. I propose that the more strategic, more humane response is to adapt. It's not so much a reaction to the threat as it is a curiosity about what we can do with the new information or circumstances. I've been coming back to a line from Sebene Selassie's book, You Belong, over the last few weeks. She writes, curiosity is a crucial component in reducing our reactivity. I'll say that again. Curiosity is a crucial component in reducing our reactivity. Curiosity asks us to consider how we can approach new information or circumstances creatively instead of trying to figure out how to fight it, how to run the other way, or how to wait it out. Now, obviously, we all got thrown for a loop last year when COVID hit. That wrench in the works played out different for everyone and every business, but we all had to adapt in some way. If you fought, fled, or froze, you are not alone. I think we all responded that way initially. I certainly did. Big fight and energy over here. What was amazing to watch, though, is how little by little the business owners I'm in community with started to ease up on that immediate reaction and started to find a more adaptive, proactive response. I saw amazing things happen for people when they adapted, even if those things didn't always lead to immediate financial relief or more time to themselves. And one of those people is my guest today, the founder of The Pocket PhD, Emily Crookston. Emily is a ghostwriter and editor who works with experts and thought leaders to help them bring their ideas to the masses. And as you're going to hear, Emily's plan for 2020 was to grow her business through in-person speaking engagements. Her first gig was on March 8th, and then lockdown. But Emily adapted, taking the same strategy she was applying to speaking gigs and applied it to LinkedIn. She's seen tremendous success on the platform over the last year, and I wanted to talk with her about how she adapted her plan, decided on LinkedIn, and then figured out how to make the most of the platform by working her plan. We talk about how she made the jump from posting spontaneously to planning her content and scheduling it. We talk about the video interview series she started. We talk about how she approaches the LinkedIn algorithm. Hint, she doesn't. And we talk about the results she's seen for her business. Now, let's find out what works for Emily Crookston. Emily Crookston, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tara. I'm excited. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. As I mentioned to you before we started recording, the last time we did an episode all about LinkedIn, it was a huge hit. It's become sort of an evergreen resource that we are constantly pointing people to. So I'm really glad to revisit this topic. Um, and also because I know you've just done such good work on this this year, you've been so committed to it. Um, and so I think systematic and disciplined about it. And I'm really excited to unpack that with you. So let's just start with how you got started on this in the first place. So what inspired your decision to focus on LinkedIn this year? Yeah. So up until this year, I have built my business, my ghostwriting business through referrals. And in-person networking was a big part of that. I did a lot of in-person networking, especially at the very beginning of my business. I had been a professor and I was going into the business world and I felt like I knew nothing. And then I discovered really quickly that the best way to get an education in business is just start talking to business people and asking questions. And <laughs> it's easy for me to do that. I love talking to people. I'm always, I'm sort of naturally curious about people. Um, but one of my goals for 2020 was to do speaking gigs, to, to put myself out on the stage for the first time and do a lot of live events. Um, I wanted to do 12 speaking gigs last year. So I did my first live speaking event on March 8th. <laughs> and oh, <God. laughs> Exactly. Yeah, like everything shut down here, I think, on the 14th. So I was like, okay, now what? Um, yeah, I was looking for outlets for that all of that energy now that we were in quarantine and we were basically locked down. Um, I'd also been wanting to be more active on LinkedIn for years without feeling a whole lot of motivation to do it. Um, I've, I've liked, I like Facebook. I'm not like a huge hater on Facebook and I like seeing my friends there. So I'm just, I gravitate toward that. So I had been wanting to make more of a switch to LinkedIn. That was sort of one of my thoughts, my goals, like if I could replace my Facebook use during the day with LinkedIn use, mm. <laughs> that would be better for my business. Um, and so the pandemic kind of provided just the right environment for that. Um, I also happened to take a five day LinkedIn challenge, which I highly yeah. recommend if you're wanting to get into LinkedIn. Um, so I took that in May. And it was all about increasing visibility on LinkedIn. And through that, I really committed to posting five days a week. So I've been doing that regularly since May, except with a week in August when I went to the mountains. Um, but I have been posting Monday through Friday. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And also at the same time, I met with a social media consultant because I wanted to figure out mm. my social media a little bit. And she suggested doing some video interviews um, so I called it that my own your expertise interview series. And so I started doing those around the same time. So that gave me content to post on LinkedIn um, as well. And then I ended up getting accepted for LinkedIn Live. So all of that really helped. You know, I had a lot of content to put out on LinkedIn. So that made it easy to stay consistent. Awesome. Well, let's talk about that piece specifically, the content that you're actually putting out and the consistency behind it. Can you, since you're uh, posting five days a week. Can you walk us through what a typical week looks like in your LinkedIn posting schedule? Yeah. So this is actually a little bit new because with content in general, like my blogs on my website, all my social media posts, I've always just been really spontaneous. Like I wake up and I'm like, what do I want to talk about today? And I post. Um, and that's okay. I, I started with, with the LinkedIn and wanting to be consistent. So I started creating posts about a week in advance. 
which helps with consistency. I don't have that, oh my God, what am I going to write today feeling when I wake up? I already know basically my post. But recently, maybe within the last couple of months, I created a sort of pattern for myself. So mm-hmm. Mondays, I post about business strategy. I post a little, you know, something about ghostwriting or writing, business writing, something like that. Tuesday, I post about mindfulness, a kind of hashtag food for thought kind of post. Wednesday is promotional day. So I'll post, you know, a podcast interview that I've done, or I'll post my blog if I've written a blog or a medium article. Thursday is the Own Your Expertise interview series. I always post one of those interviews on Thursday. And then Friday, I kind of just reflect on the week. Friday's a a day I kind of leave a little bit open Mm -hmm. um, to talk about anything and, you know, Friday motivation or something like that. Yeah, I, I the switch from being more spontaneous with social media to being more planned with social media is so challenging for so many people, myself included. I <laughs> tend to go in spurts where like, yeah, I, I can get this scheduled. I can get this done ahead of time. I'm super inspired. And then I stop and then it goes back to being spontaneous and yeah. <laughs> not very strategic. Even even if it's moderately effective, it's still not very strategic. Um <laughs> I'm curious, like how you wrapped your brain around that transition or what maybe challenges that you overcame in actually making that switch. Yeah, it's so funny because I fretted about it for several weeks. I was like, (laughs) I need more consistent. I need some order here. It feels really scattered. I don't know if it's making any sense to people, you know, and, and so I was talking about this with my, my, I have a business bestie and we meet once a week and we chat through things, you know, um, and, you know, I said, it's just all over the place. And then she was like, okay. And, and I literally, it took probably two or three minutes. She's like, what are the things you post about? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I post about business strategy. And then sometimes I do something, you know, about mindfulness. I like that topic a lot. And I like to reflect on, you know, and she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, and, oh, in my interviews, those are obviously going to be one of the days of the week. And she just made this little <laughs> schedule for me like that quickly. And I was like, why can't I do that for myself? <laughs> why yeah we're really good at overthinking these things right yeah right I have to say I really like the mix of what you're posting too because there is like a very uh strong groundedness around your expertise what you do for a living how you help people and there's also that sort of inherent curiosity um that you mentioned earlier when you were saying about how your networking style essentially evolved and tapping into that curiosity. And I see that in your scheduling as well, or in your planning as well. And I think that that's um, something for people to really take away is that it's not just how do I promote my business five days a week? It's how do I create content that is representative of me and is connecting with people? Would you say that's sort of the motivation behind why you're posting the things that you do? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn about how the algorithm wants you to be corporate and they're only promoting posts that are about job postings or about, you know, corporate stuff, office stuff. Um, and small business owners don't belong on LinkedIn, like this kind of stuff. And I don't know. I think that's all crap. Um, I haven't seen any of that with my stuff. I post 
I'm myself on LinkedIn. I'm the most myself on 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 any social media channel, like on LinkedIn. That's where I am wow. the most myself. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really nice is I love having conversations about with people. And it's almost, it doesn't matter what we're talking about almost. Um, and so, you know, I think, I, I need that as part of my brand. I'm never going to be corporate. That's not my brand. Um, and I don't have to be corporate. And if there's a platform where I need to be corporate, then I'll just leave. Like, I'm not going to stay there. And, but, but I want to have these fun and interesting conversations. I want to engage with people. Um, and that's like been the most beautiful part about it, the conversations I've been having. And it's just, it's friendly. You know, you might get some dude popping in and being like, back in 1970 before computers, like <laughs> saying some stuff like that. And I'm like rolling my eyes. But I mean, it's for the most part, people are collaborative. They're helpful. You know, like other ghostwriters post, will comment on my stuff. I'll comment on their stuff. Like it's not a competition thing that I'm feeling there. Um, so yeah, I, it's part of the motivation. Like I've always thought, you know, I like really, I'd really love to talk about business strategy. Mm-hmm. I could talk about that all the time. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is content for coaches. I don't want to be a coach, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe I shouldn't talk about business strategy because, you know, I'm not trying to be a coach, but you know, it's part of what I'm thinking about. And I think in general, that's what's interesting about me, like what's in my brain. (laughs) And I think what, you know, that curiosity and what I'm seeing and what I can, and when I can say to somebody like, well, you know, like your, your podcast, I love it because it's like, what works for you? And like, that's half of what I'm doing all the time. Just telling people what I've seen work and what I like. And, (laughs) you know, here's what works for my clients. You know, I feel like there's a lot of value in that kind of information sharing. So yeah. yeah, obviously, I'm completely on the same page with you. <laughs> right. um, let's talk about your interview series. Um, how did you get the idea for it? How did you set the stage initially for it? Talk us through at least the beginning stages of it. Sure. So my talk that I did on March 8th, my signature talk is all about owning your expertise um, and and how expertise really is a process. And I think, you know, Pick any expert you like. Talk to Brené Brown. She'd probably not say that she's an expert. She probably would say, oh, I'm still learning. There's still more to learn. I'm not at the top of the mountain, like, standing and looking down over my empire. Um, so I think there's expertise. There's Everyone has a level of expertise. Um, you know, even if you're just starting in your business, you you did other things in your life that make you an expert. And you can bring mm-hmm. all that experience to what you're doing. Um, and so... Based on that signature talk, you know, I was I I was just thinking like, what other co- you know, how can I repurpose this? How can I bring this content to people in different ways? Now that I can't do this talk, you know, every couple of months on the live stage, um, and I also really like interviewing people, or at least I suspect I would like interviewing people. I hadn't really done it (laughs) before, but I love Terry Gross. I love listening to podcasts. Like the interview style is, is cool in my mind. And also I hate video, but I know like I hate doing video myself. Um, but I know social media loves video. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so this was kind of a solution to, I, I feel so awkward being on camera all by myself, but if another person, 
persons there, I can draw on your energy and, you know, it really helps with, you know, I can build a conversation around, around that rather than here are five tips, blah, 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 (laughs) which I can't, can't get into yet. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, how did you decide who your first guests were going to be? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I knew I could ask people I knew um, who were also looking to gain more visibility for their businesses. I knew those would be like low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked those people in my network first. Um, one of the people I asked, she was my very first interview. And she's someone who, you know, will sometimes get together and do like, Uh, virtual power hours together where we'll get together and work for an hour. Um, So I uh, sort of floated the idea to her and she's a branding specialist. So she gets the importance of doing stuff like that. So that was easy. And then from there, I just started asking people to recommend, you know, people, Mm. other people I could interview. And so those recommendations have really carried me. It hasn't been hard at all. Um, finding people to interview. I have more people to interview than time to interview them. (laughs) Actually, I could probably easily go until March or something without, you know, going in and getting fresh blood. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's been really, I've been surprised at how easy it's been to get people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a surprising thing for people with podcasting too, is that typically it's way easier to get great guests than you expect yeah. it to yeah. be. Um, and it's, and it's so much fun, like you said, right. uh, talk us through what an individual episode of the interview series is like, what's the format? How does it flow? Yeah. So I either, I ask the guests whether, whether they want to do live or pre-recorded. Um, so if we do live, we'll go for about 20 to 30 minutes and then it's over. It's, it's supposed to save on my, um, um, feed in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I do LinkedIn live. Um, and then if we do pre-recorded, we get on zoom and I record it and then I have to edit it down to under 10 minutes to post on LinkedIn. Um, there, that's the video requirement there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ask canned questions. So I'll send the email with a Google form and they'll fill that out. And that's mainly just so they don't feel put on the spot when I start asking them questions. Um, but you know, just, just like this podcast, like we'll grow, we'll, we'll sort of organically move the conversation, how it feels, um, and how it makes sense. But I have basic questions like, uh, talk about your path to owning your expertise. That's a big question I like to mm-hmm. ask, general question. Um, what's been the, the most helpful thing in learning to own your expertise? Um, how do you translate your expertise for others? Um, I also love to ask this question about uh, what's your die in a ditch belief? Um, and this also <laughs> comes from my talk um, and probably I picked it up from some philosopher at some point. Um, but, you know, there's a we all have these beliefs that, you know, if someone pressed us, we'd be able to defend it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a sort of orienting or grounding belief that we all have at least one, you know, <laughs> you have at least one die in a ditch belief. So a lot of a lot of them will take the bait and answer that question. And then that's I love for that. <laughs> I love that. There's a podcast called Hysteria that Crooked Media puts out that mm. they have a recurring segment on that is what's the hill you're going to die on this yeah, week? There you go. <laughs> Same kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So great. Such a good question. Um, okay. Uh, I could talk to you the whole episode about your interview series just because I'm fascinated by how people think those things through. Uh, But let's move on from that. So when you first started focusing on LinkedIn, or maybe even as as the process has evolved, what have been your 
goals? Like, what have you been trying to create or accomplish with the actions that you've been taking on the platform? Yeah. So the big goal was to increase visibility for the Pocket PhD, my business, um, and to sort of build more of a presence on social media. And I, you know, I thought, you know, I could start with one platform. I think a lot of people think I need to be on all the platforms. And I thought that too. And I am on a lot of platforms. But I knew that if I focused on just one and, you know, everyone tells you, go where your clients are. My clients are on LinkedIn. um, So that made sense. Um, But I really wanted to focus on building visibility on LinkedIn so that I could find my, 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 you know, my services are high priced premium Mm -hmm. services. So that's where the, those clients are mainly. I'm sure they're on Facebook too, but I can't figure out Facebook. It's, (laughs) it's a lot. It's overwhelming. So LinkedIn was, was the place to start. And really the only other goal I had was consistency from the Mm. beginning. Um, you know, I know that page views are vanity metrics. Um, I think they're a really good way to gauge engagement, like watching Mm -hmm. those pages grow makes a lot of sense and you know relative to past page views and things like that um but consistency was an easy goal for me to to start with at least like i'm like okay what can i do i can post every day that's easy and if i get crickets i get crickets it doesn't matter it's just come hell or high water there's going to be a post every day um and that having that as a goal has really taken a lot of pressure off um, for me when it comes to mm-hmm. social media. Um, Cause I'm always overwhelmed by algorithm stuff. And, you know, there just seems like, th- it seems like there's so much to learn and things change so much that I just felt like I couldn't keep up. But consistency is one thing I can totally do and manage. Yeah. It seems like consistency and visibility are two sides of the same coin, really. And consistency is the piece that you have the most control over. And I love how you've already described how you essentially took control of that. You made yourself a plan. You started this consistent content series. Like that's that's a beautiful execution of something that is so simple, but also something that so few people execute. And, And I think that's really great. You'll hear about how Emily is tracking results as she continues working her LinkedIn plan in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. When it comes to working our plans and realizing our goals, one of the biggest challenges is isolation. Trying to do it all without the support or input of others is a drag at best and a deal breaker at worst. I'm betting you know exactly how this feels. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely, isolating endeavor. And I bet you also know that your customers and clients feel the same way. They have changes they want to make, things they want to learn how to do, and ideas they want to explore. But it's hard to do it on their own. That's where Mighty Networks comes in. Mighty Networks makes it easy for you to bring your customers, fans, or clients together so that they can experience the support of a community of people working on similar things. And your Mighty Network makes it easy for you to leverage your leadership, expertise, or creativity to support the people who gather with you through online courses and events. Plus, Mighty Networks gives you the tools you need to charge for membership, courses, and even bundles. Find out for yourself by setting up a Mighty Network free of charge. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. 
What Works is also brought to you by Standout Podcast Club. Are you a podcaster or aspiring podcaster who wants to create a standout show that helps you grow your business? We'd love to support you inside the Standout Podcast Club. The Standout Podcast Club is your hub for the training, coaching, and networking you need to produce a podcast that grows your small business. Inside, you'll find a complete blueprint for producing a podcast that gets noticed, attracts an audience, and helps you grow your business. Standout Podcast Club is more than an online course. It's a dynamic, community-powered coaching hub that helps us help you on every aspect of how you produce your show. If you run into a question, ask. If you're looking for feedback on an idea, tell the club. If you want to talk trends, strategy, or planning for the future, start the conversation. We want to help you use your voice and grow your business, and so do the other podcasters inside the club. We also offer a roundtable discussion and Q&A call each month so that you can meet up with other podcasters, get your questions answered in real time, and learn new up-the-moment ideas for your show. Find out more about Standout Podcast Club by Yellow House Media by going to standoutpodcast.club. That's standoutpodcast.club. Let's talk about the visibility component, though. Were you tracking results on that in any way? You mentioned page views. Is that something that you were actually looking at on a week-by-week or post-by-post basis? Yeah, so those are right in front of your face. It's really easy to see them. So it's easy for your brain to to latch on to those. Mm-hmm. I also track comments. Um, the algorithm for LinkedIn, I think if you get like 10 comments within an hour of posting, it boosts your post. Um, so that's always a goal. My goal right now is like an average of 500 page views on every post. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm getting pretty close, I think, to consistently hitting that. Um, I'm tracking that. I'm also tracking, um, I, oh, speaking of consistency, I also spend 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon mm-hmm. commenting other people's stuff. That's another thing about the LinkedIn algorithm. Um, it loves it when you're there interacting with other people, not just posting and running away and only coming back to comment on your own <laughs> stuff. <laughs> they like you commenting on other people's stuff. <laughs> this is where I miss the boat on LinkedIn. Yeah, for right. sure. <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> and um, I also try to connect with five to 10 people a day. Hmm. Um, and they, the app actually, LinkedIn app makes it really easy to connect. I like connecting with people mo- most on the app. So like in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll look at LinkedIn and I'll start connecting with people. And I'm not picky at all about who I'm connecting with at this point. If you make a good comment on somebody's post and we're not connected, I'll hit the button. Um, And so that makes it easy. I'm not like, who's my ideal client? I'm only connecting with those people. Um, So I think I have, you know, my audience is broad. The people I interact with are really broad. I have, there are a lot of marketing and copywriting people in my network, Um, but that's okay because I learn a lot from them. Um, And then otherwise, it's just, I never know. I don't, you know, my clients come from everywhere. I write books on all kinds of topics. And so for me, it's just getting a broad reach Mm -hmm. um, would be a good goal. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about the algorithm because not, not in terms of like, tell us how to game the algorithm. Yeah, because I don't know that. No. (laughs) I'm curious in your head. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm curious how you sort of 
philosophize or approach the balance between just doing whatever you want and considering what the platform is looking for. Because I can hear it in the different things that you've said. It's like, well, the people say the algorithm wants this, but I don't want to do that. Or you've <laughs> also said the algorithm likes it when you do this. So I try to do that. <laughs> and so there's, there's a little bit of, um, you know, there's a little bit of contradiction there, but I think that that's strategic and yeah. wonderful. And I would just like to dig into that more. So how do you make that balance? How do you approach that? Yeah, I think this is really important because it's easy to get obsessed <laughs> with figuring out an algorithm. And in my mind, that's not my job. That's for people who are into that stuff and for SEO people and, you know, whatever, people who love that kind of thing. I don't. And I will, it will make me stop being consistent if I focus on that. And consistency is that main goal that I have. Um, so I'm not doing that. And yeah, I, I'm always this way about rules. I pick and choose the ones <laughs> that I like. And then I break them and I either break them like behind the scenes or I break them out in front. Depends on my mood sometimes. Um, so that's kind of my basic approach to algorithms. So yeah, if the algorithm wants me to do something that I like to do, great. But I know that probably the best way to increase my visibility on LinkedIn is to just be on LinkedIn like eight hours mm -hmm. a day. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I, I think for me, what really motivates the posting and everything I do on LinkedIn is the conversations I'm having. Um, if the conversations are great and people are commenting and they're not just commenting like, yay, you go girl. Like, you know, they're commenting, oh my gosh, yes, this resonates with me. And, you know, here's how it applies to my life. And here's an example. Then I'm like, okay, well, that's getting to people. Like people, I'm getting people to think. And mm -hmm. as a philosopher, like, oh, my dream, you know, just to get people to think for a second, <laughs> yes. to stop and, you know, think for a minute. But that's, that's amazing. That's, you know, that's the, kind of platform I want to build. That's what I want to be. You know, I love so, that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to just uh, call back to something that specific that you said too, which is if the algorithm wants me to do something I want to do, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> that is, like that should be everyone's social media strategy in a nutshell. <laughs> I feel like that is a perfect balance uh, between those two things. So I really appreciate you articulating that. Um, okay. So we've talked about kind of tracking the results on the platform itself and what you're looking at. Uh, but I'd love to hear about the business results that you've seen, like the, you know, the dollars and cents of it. I obviously don't have to tell us like LinkedIn made me this much money this year. <laughs> but I'm curious, right. have you gotten clients? Have you gotten referrals? Like what does that look like? Yeah. So I, like I said, prior to LinkedIn, my business was built on referrals and all my clients came through other clients. Uh, since I've started all of this with LinkedIn, my results have, I mean, things have changed totally. Um, I've had six prospects contact me about ghostwriting, which is my biggest service, mm -hmm. um, either directly through LinkedIn or through connections that I've made on LinkedIn, like referrals from LinkedIn connections who I wouldn't have otherwise met. Um, one of them became a client. So I'm about to finish up their book just about now. Um, and then I've got the four, four of the other, four of the six still I'm in my funnel right now. Um, they're, wow. So they're really good leads. They're people who I keep following up with and they, you know, for one reason or another, aren't ready to make a decision, I think. Um, but the conversations are good. These are really warm leads. Um, and in general, I, 
I mean, I just think people who are coming to you are the best people to talk to. And, you know, in terms of, you know, prospects, those are the best prospects you're ever going to find. Forget about cold outreach or warm outreach, like people coming to you, like, man, you know, that's what, what more could you ask for? Especially for me, I only need, you know, two clients a year or so. Well, that's Um, what I was going to say. I was going to ask you to put uh, the number of clients that you've received from LinkedIn in context, because I know you don't need a lot of clients. So (laughs) like literally two. Right. Literally two. Yeah. That's amazing. So Yeah. So, I mean, I don't feel like I need to run Facebook ads. And every time I see, talk to coaches about lead generation and getting more clients on LinkedIn, and I think, oh, maybe I should go for something like that. I'm like, I only need two. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need five. Five would be too many. <laughs> so, right. So. Well, LinkedIn is perfect for that, you know. Yeah. It, it, and yeah. you've set the stage for other kinds of growth if you're interested in that later on, right? Like, I know yeah. that you've got an online course in your back pocket. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so like, I know that then everything that you've done this year, yes, it's filled your funnel in terms of those ghostwriting leads, but it's also creating the capacity for further leverage in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm starting in, in, you know, yeah, if I could figure out how to sell that online course, that would free up a lot of my time. And, you know, that in terms of business goals, really, the goal is to keep doing what I'm doing, keep bringing in the kinds of revenues I'm seeing, and only be working half as much. (laughs) That would be a big goal. And so yeah, I'm starting to think more about smaller priced options, things that would be more like passive types of income that I, and I can grow that from here. You know, I think there's so many advantages to having strong brand visibility that you don't even realize or measure right off the top, you know, is is when people know who you are, that like anybody now who, any of my LinkedIn connections, if someone is looking for a ghostwriter, they're probably going to send them to me because there aren't that many of us out there. And the ones who are out there aren't that visible. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's huge in an industry like mine where, you know, it's easy to sort of put yourself on top or put yourself top of mind. Um, and yeah, that's, that's important. And when it comes to selling anything, you know, any other products that I start creating or services, um, it just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I've got a couple more questions as we start to wrap up here. We've talked a lot about what's worked for you. Was there anything that didn't work or anything that you would do differently now in hindsight? Yeah, so I mentioned the videos and that feels in one sense like a really big piece of my LinkedIn strategy. I post a video every week, uh, sometimes more than one video because if I do a live, then I'll also post a pre-recorded one on mm. Thursday. Um sometimes 3, I think I've done it in a week. But man, I have such a hard time getting eyeballs on those videos. Those are the lowest, you know, post views. Those are the lowest ranking um, things I create on LinkedIn, least conversation starting posts. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I've I've thought a little bit about that. I mean, it's hard to get people to watch live videos. I Mm -hmm. don't ever watch live videos myself. Um, So part, you know, everyone is really covets this LinkedIn live. position, acceptance, whatever. And I was really surprised when I got it. And people always asking me, how did you get it? Um, And it's in the end, I'm just like, I don't even know if this is worth doing. But Mm -hmm. I will say, 
I also get tons of compliments on the videos. I like to do them. They're really fun for me. So here's a place where the algorithm, I'm like, eh. Um, (laughs) And I mean, maybe there's, there's something to be said for video being valuable to people who actually do watch it so much more Mm -hmm. valuable than maybe text where you're maybe just scrolling through passing by maybe sit and watch um so maybe there's something to be said for even having small small number of views on the videos but yeah it's 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 an interesting little play i don't know if it would help to create an event around the lives to get more people tuning in i don't know if that would help i don't know um what to do about (laughs) increasing views on the videos, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I have a feeling that you're right, though, in terms of like, it may not be as many people watching, but for the people who are watching, it's probably a huge impact. Um, And it may just be a long play. You know, we see the same thing in podcasting. Podcasting mm-hmm. is a long play. Yeah. <laughs> you don't start a podcast to get rich quick, right? Right. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. I have a feeling it's something very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last question: What are you excited about right now? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I just wrote a little article about the. I went to the uh, two, and I call them virtual dinner parties Ooh. this week. Although there's no food involved or alcohol, um, but <laughs> they're basically a different kind of networking event where they're curated. Like the person who's hosting will choose like three or four. I wouldn't probably do more than five people um, for this kind of event. They bring those people together. These are people in their networks they think would enjoy meeting each other. And then they ask a series of really insightful questions, really thought-provoking questions. And the vulnerability I saw during these little meetings were were just so eye-opening. And I mean, I keep saying like, it filled in cracks I didn't know I had. Like I'm just like floating around on air (laughs) because of these little, little interactions. I think I missed like, I I think of it as I missed having the invitation to be vulnerable, Mm. I think. And that was really lovely with a group of people who are also willing to be vulnerable. It was was a lovely interaction. It was really fun. That's incredible. Yeah. Emily Crookston, thank you so much for sharing your LinkedIn experiment with us (laughs) and your philosophy on algorithms and, um, and, and your goal of consistency. I mean, I think there are so many valuable takeaways in this conversation and I just really appreciate you sharing it all with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Tara. It's been fun. I love how Emily has approached her LinkedIn experiment as a learning process. She's not trying to rigidly stick to a plan. Instead, she's letting things unfold and adapting her approach as she goes. But with that said, she also executes her plan with rigor. She's brought structure and discipline to the process so that she can be more curious and experimental, not less. I think Emily's approach is a great model for moving away from our fight, flight, or freeze response when something unexpected happens so we can act with care and intention. Find out more about Emily Crookston at thepocketphd.com or connect with her on LinkedIn. Next week, I talk with Finka Yurkovic about how she worked her plan for writing her first book, Sell from Love. Not surprisingly, there was quite a bit of curiosity and adaptation in Finka's process, too. 
If you love these in-depth, unconventional conversations about building a stronger business, you'll love the What Works Network. We're a community of practice working together to build businesses that run smoothly, cause fewer headaches, and sustainably make more money. When you join us, you get access to our Stronger Business Playbook, a comprehensive toolkit for making your business more resilient, as well as our global community of small business owners and our monthly deep dive guidance and events. We'll be opening the doors to new members soon. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to request your invitation. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our production assistants are Kristen Runvik and Lou Blazer. What Works is recorded on the ancestral land of the Susquehannock and Conestoga people in what is now known as Lidditz, Pennsylvania. The Yellow House is located on the unceded land of the Kutunaha Nation in what is now known as the Flathead Valley of Montana.